0: Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzmann, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to episode
1: seven of the B two B Social Media Podcast. This is Eric Schwartzman in Los Angeles.
2: Hey, I'm Paul Gillen in Framingham, Massachusetts.
1: And we're delighted to have two guests on the uh, panel with us today. Uh, the first is uh, Jim Cahill. He's the chief blogger and head of social media for the Process Group at Emerson. And, uh, we talked about, uh, Jim and Emerson in our book, social marketing, uh, to the business customer. And we also have Vidya Shivkumar. She is the director of product management at Janrain, a user management platform for the social web. And we mentioned Janrain in the book as well. We're delighted to have them both. Um, so thank you for joining us, uh, you guys. And, um, Towards the end of the discussion, we'll ask you to tell us a little bit about, you know, what the latest is at Emerson and the latest is at Janrain. Uh, But first, we were going to talk about um, uh, a development with Facebook uh, relaunching their questions service uh, in limited public beta. Uh, Paul, what's that all about?
2: Well, you know, in contrast to most Facebook features, which seem to be rolled out uh, as a surprise, nobody knows there's coming, this is maybe the most anticipated Facebook feature of the last year. Uh, Questions is uh, Facebook's uh, shot at the question and answer metaphor, which, of course, is really the strong suit of LinkedIn and is the basis of Quora, the hot new service. Uh, Facebook Questions is in limited beta testing now. Uh, I've I've already been enrolled. If you ask a question of somebody else, they're automatically enrolled in it. And they've taken a somewhat uh, different approach naturally it's a friend based it's uh, the questions uh uh rank is based upon your friends list and uh, uh, the questions that are the answers from your friends are assigned more priority than those from just the general public but you also have the capacity to launch a question to the entire Facebook membership if you want uh, tap into the wisdom of a crowd of 600 million which is, certainly is a a very strong advantage that the Facebook has and um, I don't know, this question-and-answer metaphor is just going nuts right now. It's all over the web. And I think that this is going to be a very powerful new offering, although it may be more in the consumer realm than in the B2B realm. I wonder if, uh, what our panelists think about it.
3: Sure. Um uh... I can I can go ahead. Um, I think uh, uh, the um, the types of questions and answers that you would be asking of the audience in Facebook is uh, typically going to differ from the type of questions and answers that you may ask of your audience in, in LinkedIn, for instance. Um, so, for instance, if I'm looking to hire somebody who's got a specific jobs uh, job skill in mind that I have um, that I'm looking to uh, recruit. Uh, the chances are that I'm going to seek my professional network on LinkedIn uh, to be able to guide me and provide me that information. Uh, Whereas if I'm looking for more general recommendations or more general Q&A on like a place to eat or uh, where should I be buying my next camera or where should I be taking a vacation, I would tend to tap into my social network on Facebook.
4: Yeah, and I think I would add that... uh, You see an area of LinkedIn, like the groups area, are are getting pretty dynamic. We've got a number of LinkedIn groups about some of our brands, such as uh, our control systems that we make here in Austin. So you get a high affinity of people that join the group that work with those systems and ask each other very technical questions. You know, our audience is engineers for that kind of thing. But more and more, I'm seeing those shift over or also happen in facebook on fan pages and some other places so you see the spread of these type of questions and i think it's a a natural extension that for those professional use that this questions area may be may be used more and more by at least our audience
1: i have a question paul because I, i haven't really used facebook questions i have used linkedin questions to some extent and i'm definitely you know just a total novice on Quora. But here's my question I have questions that I need answered at certain times. And then if I wanted to chime in to the questions section of any of the services to showcase my expertise as a thought leader. Um, how do I monitor those conversation streams? I mean, I know that on LinkedIn, you can pull an RSS feed from LinkedIn Answers, but you can only pull it by subject category. You can't monitor against the keyword. I imagine you could take this, the feed, you could put it into Yahoo Pipes, you could monitor against the keyword and you know watch it that way in something like Google Reader. But is there a way to actually subscribe to questions that are being asked if you want to answer the ones that you have specialized expertise in
2: well on linkedin you can once you participate in a uh, in a question thread you can opt to be automatically subscribed to any contributions to that thread by email i don't know if there's an rss option but you can receive email updates Uh, quora also lets you subscribe to uh, to threads and I assume questions will do that as well. I don't know uh, for sure, but it seems that when people answer questions, they want to get, uh, they want to stay involved in the conversation until maybe it runs its course. They want to uh, to do something else. But all the services make that fairly easy. I- I'm I'm curious about uh, our panelists and Jim. Maybe this is more appropriate for your situation. Do you uh, advise your uh, your te- technical experts? to use these, uh, these areas like uh, LinkedIn questions to, uh, you know, to proactively answer questions and showcase their expertise?
4: We have some with a natural affinity, and they're out there in Facebook and Twitter and some of the other places. So I would say there's almost like a layer of people that seem to be a little more at the surface of our Emerson organization. And as they listen and find things, then they'll involve uh, some of our experts. And that's a role that I'll play with a lot of our different divisions. And I I try to teach people to get a little bit more familiar with the tools, whether it's RSS searches or Google alerts or something, to, to be able to stay on top of this, but the expectation isn't that everybody in the company is out there listening and responding and everything there, there seems to be a tiered level based upon people's comfort with participation.
1: The, um, the second item I wanted to uh, talk about is uh, actually uh, based on a blog post I found by Monique Neely, who um, tweets at inspired mama and she basically wrote this blog post about a service that was launched by LinkedIn in October called LinkedIn Signal. And last week, uh, we talked on the podcast in uh, number six about uh, uh, this new service that LinkedIn had betaed called LinkedIn Today, which essentially allows, allows you to crowdsource news from people in your industry. Um, it's available on LinkedIn. If you just go to your home screen and you hit the More menu, Uh, you can drop down to the news beta and one of the comments that Rick made was, yeah, this is useful, but what I'd like to be able to do is see what people are talking about in the last week, in the last hour, in the last day. And I'd like to be able to filter it by industry and by, uh, tier of contact by my first connections, my second connections, my third plus everyone else, maybe by company. And it turns out, um, According to this uh, blog post by Monique, and I gave it a try, it's, it's awesome. You can do that already. The way you do it is you just go to LinkedIn, um, you click on the home page, and then um, just right up above the, the feed that you're seeing there, uh, on the right-hand side, uh, there's a question mark, then it says search updates. And if you click search updates, you can put in a keyword. Uh, for example, I just put in uh, user management. And I can see uh, all the people in my first connections who have posted an update to LinkedIn with that keyword in it. I can filter it by company and then I can look at it by the last hour, the last day, the last week, and the the last two weeks. The other thing that's really interesting about the service is if you have taken the time and it's pretty easy to do to sync up your LinkedIn account with your Twitter account, it also includes tweets from users Uh, that you're connected with or that you are connected second or third tier with um, in LinkedIn. So you're essentially able to attach the LinkedIn profile information to the Twitter user and now search Twitter based on that profile information, which is incredibly powerful.
2: Um, I I just love this this feature. I love this feature and I, you know, for example, I I can go and look at uh, Facebook questions, which we were talking about, and I can search by First Connection, so I can see I have 19 uh, updates from people who are my first connections talking about Facebook questions specifically, but I could also look at what people in the marketing industry are saying, or uh, people in in the greater Boston area or in Los Angeles are saying and this uh, there's so many ways you know this is really I think LinkedIn has done better than anybody else is make it possible for you to filter information by different professional criteria, and this is why it's such a great B2B platform. It, this They've made this sort of the foundation of everything they do, and I think Signal is a great service, little-known service. Uh, a lot of people just aren't aware that this exists. So I wonder if our panelists have used it.
3: Sorry, I'll, I'll go right. ahead. Um, yes, I did have a brief chance to play with signals, and you're absolutely right that it is not front and center in, uh, being, uh, in showing to you that it's available, but it is indeed a, very fan- it's a fantastic service um, letting you actually filter information uh, that Twitter does not allow you to do. Twitter does a great job of presenting the most current and the most front and center conversations as they come up live on the stream. Uh, this takes this takes a couple of steps beyond that, allowing you to see who's talking about it, what is their background, which industry are they from, and giving some context and giving some uh, background and intelligence to the conversation uh, beyond what the conversation itself is.
4: yeah, and I would add that it's even within our world of process automation, which is a pretty finite and small world. I was playing with it, I searched on industrial automation. And on the keyword security and discovered all these posts and other things that I hadn't seen before through my other listening channels. And it's more, I think, because of the network and who I'm connected with and everything else, I, I was really amazed and surprised that my other listening things that I use wasn't picking it up, but this was. So just with that discovery, it's like, well, I need to move this higher in my list of uh, tools in my goodie bag because uh, I'm discovering interesting stuff I hadn't seen
2: before. You know, it's interesting. If you look at the topics we've been discussing on the podcast lately, a lot of it is about filtering and uh... you know i think of clay shirky's quote he said the problem we have today is not information overload its filter failure and i think what we're seeing is that uh... services now that the, the now that the social network wars are essentially over uh... the companies that dominate are searching for ways to make uh... filtering information uh, more uh, uh... you know more robust uh, more powerful and really, uh, you know, go, going beyond search in that respect, uh, you know, is this more effective for you than uh, than Google or is this something that you would use uh, instead of Google?
4: I, I think I would specifically looking for information, like if I want to do a blog post on something within our world, I think it would give me a lot more filtered better information to take a look at than weeding through a lot of the results I get in Google. So, yeah, just from my short experience of really looking at some of the filtering criteria, it seems very valuable.
2: This was a topic that was uh, was actually introduced in, in another article that we wanted to talk about for uh, for this episode uh, regarding it's, uh, this is a piece that ran uh, on Mashable um, about uh, some quotes from Reed Hoffman about web 3.0 uh, saying that it will be about data it will be about uh, i guess uh, i don't know what he would say web 2.0 was about but that we're moving into uh, an era in which data will really define uh, the web and there's specifically two kinds of data which would be uh, explicit data which is that which we offer up uh, you know fielded type of data passwords and credit cards and then um data that that is not uh, explicitly offered to the public but which can be Discerned or can be filtered through uh, through uh, conversations, and it seems uh, I wonder, you know, for for, for both of our panelists, uh, is this a an area? Uh, are you seeing uh, a need, or are you are you finding tools that are helping you to do more with this sort of uh, gusher of data out there uh, that enable you to filter it and actually put it to business use?
3: Yeah, sure. So we're hearing a lot uh, from our customers on wanting to store both the social data. So since we provide social services and uh, data that comes from social networks, they're definitely seeing a need to tap into the rich uh, payload that Uh, providers like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Google provide and tapping into that data to be able to do personalization of experience on website as well as being able to do uh, social commerce. So how can I personalize Uh, their their shopping experience, for instance. So we're definitely seeing the need to store the social aspect um, of the social pieces of data that are coming back from networks. But in addition to that, uh, brands and websites are also looking to store activities that users are performing on, on the site. So not things that people are explicitly telling you, but things that you can glean from their behavior on their site. So for instance, they commented on an article, they looked at a specific page. So there's definitely a need for tools and services and uh, the need to tap in and store, store this information.
1: Well, what's so interesting to me is the insights that come from combining data sets. For example, in this um, signal. Uh, LinkedIn Signal discussion we were having, you know, because of LinkedIn Signal, I can now search my Twitter users based on their LinkedIn profile information. What happens when we start to overlay other data sets on top of that? You know, is that where the insight comes in? And, um, Avidya, I mean, that's something you guys are right at the center of uh, with the social sign in service because if I sign into a destination website, with say my Facebook information, now the marketer has some demographic meat to look at based on my behavior on that site.
3: Absolutely, Um, and that is the data that marketers are very much interested in. There is obviously opt-in data that you can collect from them based on uh, what they do on your site, but then there is also this data that consumers are willingly giving to websites, and they're doing it in exchange for uh, you know participation in contests. They're doing it in exchange for uh, better experience on the site, being able to connect with their social graph. So there's willingness on both sides. Consumers are willingly uh, able willing to share the data obviously with uh, you know they they want it explicit and they want uh, they don't want it taken from them without uh, being told and then there's also the brands interest in uh, as user willingness grows the brands are tapping more into this data to leverage them better Um, so yes there is there is definitely interest on both sides
1: you know Paul and I actually wrote a blog post about this for Brian Solis's blog And it got a huge amount of attention. But basically what we said in the blog post is, you know, today everyone's thinking, well, I would say the majority of marketers are looking at social media as a content marketing opportunity. Let's fill the vacuum with useful content that helps our customers make a smart purchasing decision. But in fact, when you think about the idea of social sign-in. Um, it's almost an automated approach where you build your network, not necessarily based on content, but based on overlaying different data sets. And an example I'm thinking of is, you know, what you guys did with South by Southwest for South by social. So could you tell us a little bit about what you guys did to help people find their contacts who were attending the show?
3: Yeah, sure. So at South by Southwest, uh, we enabled people to log in with their social networking identities. And uh, JanRain supports this uh, concept of a contacts. Um, So what South by Southwest uh, did was imported a users, for instance, uh, contacts from LinkedIn, mashed it up against uh, who was already signed up to be on um, on South by Southwest, and then helped you connect uh, users. So if I had, for instance, Eric... Uh, You and I were both at South by Southwest and we were both connected via LinkedIn. It helped me discover that you were also attending the show and I could set up some uh, schedule. I could message you. I could meet you and uh, uh, conduct more business. So that was the experience that uh, they built out uh, on South by Southwest Social.
1: And what about lessons learned because there actually were some technical difficulties with it. So what happened and, and what 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 lessons would you have for communicators who are looking at integrating a back-end API?
3: Absolutely. So, uh, one of the lessons takeaway was um, it was done in it was it was done in the last minute. It was quite hurried. So, uh, given the short amount of time frame that they had, it was a good um, It was a good implementation, but having said that, uh, I would have given a little bit more thought to what the actual implementation process and roadmap would have been. So, for instance, one of the things that happened was uh, when I signed up the very first time, it pulled my list of contacts, and then it only helped me mash up those contacts uh, who had already signed up at that very moment on the South by Southwest social. So anybody who came on board later, um, I was not able to connect with them. So one of the quicker it was there was a very easy way of doing that, which would be at every time I log in, you make sure you do that mashup. Help me discover new people who have come on South by Southwest and make sure I connect with them.
1: And then I guess that would affect the permissions, right? Because you get that pop up. And I know that when you sync up your Amazon with your Facebook so that you can get recommendations for what to buy your friends uh, for a gift on their birthday based on their favorite authors and musicians, mm-hmm. the little permission screen says uh, that they want to populate a database with your profile information, not just at that time, but mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis. So that would be the, the decision. Yes. Yes.
3: Yes, so that would be something that you would ask the user up front. So there's a lot of ways to do interstitial messaging to users and saying not only at this point in time, but in order to give you a good user experience, we would like to make sure that we continuously keep refreshing this information on your behalf. So there's explicit ways of doing this that does not weird the user out, for instance. Um, but the key at the end of, end of the day is to map out how you want to use these APIs and how you can make sure that the data is continuously refreshed because, as we know, social networks are dynamic. Data changes, uh, people change states, people change uh, status. It's always important that the information is up-to-date and current, and the APIs give you access to up-to-date and current information. It's up to websites to take advantage of that. And uh, we do a great deal of work with our customers to make sure that all these loose ends are tied and the experience is optimal and it's not a set it and forget it. It is just make sure you map out what you're trying to do and bake it into your implementation. So
1: obviously, it's very early on in this, uh, in the development of these types of services. But I think anyone who's listening gets the value of you know going to a show like South by Southwest, tons of people there. How do you know if someone you know is going to be there? Well, mm-hmm. if you can synchronize up with your LinkedIn contacts based on the people who are going – or even Facebook or Twitter, very easy way to realize that information. In a previous uh, show, we spoke about—I um, think it was last last week—Twitter cracking down on uh, third-party um, service providers who don't add value by doing something more than just move messages. Mm-hmm. And here we see, you know, an example of how you really can add value by bringing these things together. Uh, I know in the demo that you guys have on your website, you talk about sort of three benefits of social sign-in. The first mm-hmm. being um, that, uh, you know, if I sign into your site with, uh, with my social network, uh, I'm now following you or I've friended you. Um, third, you've populated a database uh, of my profile information with my permission, of course. And and finally, I've recommended you on my newsfeed to, to your friends. And of mm-hmm. course, what is more trusted than the recommendation of a friend? And I really think as we move forward, you know, based on what Reed Hoffman says here in this uh, interview, in this fireside chat um, about data, that uh, the real opportunity for marketers is looking at how to put the data together and
0: draw meaningful insights from it. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled.
2: B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. And that's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. that walks business people step-by-step step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue.
0: Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, and Borders or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle.
2: Jim i want to I want to ask you a question sort of related to this, and that is uh, as it relates to prospecting. Uh, we have all of these rich uh, services now, these rich ways to filter information, find out what people are talking about, and and identify potentially sales leads. Do you have any um, Advice. The flip side of that is when you reach out to people who haven't specifically asked you for information and you offer your help or you offer a product, perhaps treat them as a lead, there's also a creepiness factor there that that may actually turn off a prospect. Do you have any thoughts on how you handle that at Emerson, this sort of new kind of outbound marketing?
4: Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that we're trying to do is I, I think a lot of our customers are very conservative by nature. They're engineers. They're used to the private channels of communication like email. So we've been making a real concerted effort that our, that we participate more in these online communities and have it in there. And I think by we start getting that network effect of more of our users participating out in there and more of our people within Emerson participating then as we build that trust um, it it opens up the opportunity to point out maybe some technologies or products that we have that would be able to help and a good example is just yesterday on a Facebook fan page for my blog I posted a picture of this oil well with um, some wireless devices And it was a pretty picture showing it, but it opened up some questions. Well, what kind of distances are involved in other things? And I was able in the dialogue to point to some blog posts I had done. And then someone got a better understanding of the technology and started thinking about ways he might apply it in his plant. So there's an a thing where it wasn't really me overtly pushing marketing it was in response to questions but just opening up how some of these technologies can be applied.
2: Now you've been in the role of uh, so, head of social media at Emerson Process for uh, what about a year year and a half now? Yes. Yeah, and that and, uh, building off of your blog which was uh, you know, I don't know if it was the first B two B blog outside of the technology realm, but it was it was certainly the best uh, that I saw ba- back in the the early days of blogging. You've been very, I've uh, really been a trailblazer there. What have you done in terms of expanding the company's social media initiatives as you've taken on this expanded role?
4: The biggest thing is there's a part of education because where we are versus where we were five years ago is the world seems to be moving more and more this direction. So we have a lot more Emerson voices now out there participating in blogs or as community managers in some of these different online communities. And so... If there's a natural learning process, you know, the do's and don'ts, how you need to behave. So part of my role has been that teaching and mentoring and that kind of thing. And just really building some of these communities internally where we can share these best practices and get more people familiar with it. And ultimately, you know, the model I have in my mind is getting more of our people out to the surface of our organization to listen and interact and make our whole organization a lot more approachable and easier to do business with.
2: And are you applying uh, rigid ROI metrics to this right now, or are you in more of an education and awareness stage?
4: It's more education and awareness, and I would say it's more ROI by anecdote. But we're you know we're in a situation where uh, we may get a project that could be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. If you look at the systems, the transmitters, the valves, everything else that goes in with it, so it only takes a couple anecdotes to show the contribution of you know what we're doing contributing to that so we're looking for metrics we have a lot on activity and other things but when we get tie back like to a blog post and somebody buys something based on it you know we capture that send it around make sure that's part of everybody's awareness
1: now vidya you've um uh you know you spent seven years at aol working on their uh uh, web search and their safety and security products, and you've got a background in uh, SaaS and email encryption and reputation and fraud, um, and now you're at this organization, Janrain, with this um, uh, user management system for, this, for the social web. Um, give us sort of a, a, a brief update of how things are going at Janrain and what, I guess, uh, you see happening you know, down the road, maybe six, 12 months.
3: Sure. So um, I, when I started my career, I started in search, and that involved working with large uh, data sets, and it was all about data and how data was valuable to businesses. And uh, over the course, I started working a lot in the security space, and security led me to fraud management, but it's brought me back to the data roots. And, um, and I mentioned data because I see social data and the, the game-changing nature of it. As brands continue to leverage uh, more of the data, and we're seeing a lot of our customers starting to leverage it to gain more insights um, and drive more uh, online activity as well as uh, site commerce and ROI, uh, I see the next 10 to 12 months being about uh, how to make use of this data effectively. Uh, Businesses started with Facebook fan pages and started using social as a channel for promoting awareness of their business, but now sites are increasingly becoming aware of the value of the information that is stored in these social networks that they can then reap for further insights. Um, so next 10 to 12 months or even for the next 18 months, I would say is going to be a lot about, uh, online marketers and online businesses trying to figure out how to use this data. And, uh, we have started helping our customers tap into that market and we envision ourselves, uh, working closely with them uh, in the space.
1: Great. And as always, you'll be able to get uh, links to uh, Jim's Twitter ID and his company ID and Vidya's um, Twitter ID and her company ID in the show notes. Uh, Just a couple of updates before we wrap it up. Um, uh, Excited to say that both Paul and I will be keynoting the Digital Impact Conference uh, May 5th and 6th in New York City. And uh, that'll be about B2B social media. And also, I want to tell everyone about the upcoming B2B social media boot camp, uh, which will be May 16th in Chicago. And uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, And with that, I want to thank our panelists for joining us and um, join us next time. Uh, As always, you can post uh, comments uh, to the show blog or you can send comments to our email address. Um, Feel free to send email attachments, uh, five megabytes or less, to comments at b2bsocialmediapodcast.com. We also welcome comments to the iTunes show page, and there is a link in the show blog for that as well. And uh, with that, I want to thank our panelists and, um, well, until next week.
0: You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com.